Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Optive Theology Podcast. My name is Andy Schmidt. I'm here with Gregory Kokel, and uh, we are going to do an interview today. Uh, Gregory, uh, before we get into this podcast, I do want to give you an opportunity to tell everybody about who you are and what you do, and sure. then we'll kind of get into talking about your new book. But yeah. who, who are you? <laughs> I have never been <clears throat> asked that question before at the beginning <laughs> of an interview, but um, the um, <clears throat> first of all, you can call me Greg. Mm-hmm. My mom calls me Gregory when she's mad. Okay, she okay. used to call me that, you know, when I was a kid. So, um, mm-hmm. so Greg's fine. <clears throat> I'm the founder and president of Stand to Reason, and uh, mm-hmm. we're an organization that that trains Christians to think mm-hmm. more carefully about their own convictions, mm-hmm. and also makes a uh, to, to help them to make a thoughtful, gracious, but effective defense for classical Christianity mm-hmm. and for classical mm-hmm. Christian values. So we've been around for thirty years, and uh, I've read uh, written a number of books. Uh, I wrote a book on relativism about 25 years ago with Frank Beckwith, the the, uh, the philosopher over at Baylor University. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I wrote a book called Tactics about 14 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, then about six years ago, a book called The Story of Reality. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the recent one, Street Smarts, Using Questions to Answer Christianity's Toughest Challenges. And there's a kinship between the Tactics book, Andy, and the Street Smarts book, because the Street Smarts is kind of a sequel, though you don't need the uh, the, the Tactics book to use Street Smarts, because mm-hmm. I bring everybody up to speed on the what I call the tactical game plan mm-hmm. in, uh, in Street Smarts. But if, if folks have read the Tactics book before, and a lot of people have, um, and benefited from it, then they're going to find Street Smarts is going to be a great sequel, because I take the third step of that mm-hmm. game plan, <clears throat> and then it goes kind of on steroids. Mm-hmm. So it really mm-hmm. expands a concept that's in the Tactics mm-hmm. book to deal with a whole bunch of issues that people are facing right now and just simply don't know how to deal with it. So I have been, um, you know, I, I've been 33 years in talk radio dealing with challenges that people uh, give when they call up on the on the mm-hmm. air. I've spoken on what last week was 92, 92nd university campus, mm. um, making the case that Christianity is worth thinking about. Yeah. So the reason I mentioned that is not to wave my own flag. It's just to say I've been in play. I've had lots mm. of conversations with people who disagree and have, uh, have worked out um, a way of engagement that I think is not only productive, but it's also a lot easier for many Christians to do than maybe what they've been raised with in terms of evangelism. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mm -hmm. it's kind of a rough street out there right now, Andy, for believers and making the case for their view. And so Mm -hmm. this is meant to help followers of Christ be more street smart and more capable of engagement in a pr- in a productive way, but also a gracious way. Yeah, that this is this is going to be interesting to talk about this because I've I'm 24, so I kind of am coming up in this Gen Z. You know, we're too sophisticated for Christianity. We've moved past <laughs> Christianity. We're going to uh-huh. move into something. Uh, s- somehow, we think uh, postmodernism and Marxism is much more sophisticated than Christianity. But mm-hmm. we we've kind of decided that we're going to move past Christianity. And in, in my opinion, the church's response to that over my lifetime has not been very good. Mm-hmm. It's been a lot of, okay, well, we need to now start to integrate everything. Let's start to integrate Christianity with Dar- Darwinianism. Let's start to integrate Christianity with some postmodernism. And like, 
to get people in the door. And I, I don't know if that's that <laughs> to me, that's not the direction that we should no, be going. You don't, you, you don't, uh, <clears throat> you don't deal with a poison by mixing it in with the, your meal. Right. You know, and, right. uh, and I, I, you know, it's interesting. You, you're 24. Yeah. I was 23 when I became a Christian. Okay. Okay. Wow. So, um, and, and the kinds of things you're saying about, uh, the culture and everything, mm-hmm. I became 23. Well, like I graduated from high school in 1968. So mm-hmm. that was the middle of the counterculture. And I started college. I was in right. the army in the sixties, uh, anti-war mm-hmm. protester in the sixties, uh, you know, I, all kinds of crazy stuff. I just mm-hmm. embraced all that stuff. The right. relativism that was, uh, actually pretty new on a yeah. popular level in the 60s, um, kind of do your own thing, live for today, uh, if it feels good, do it. These are all the, the slogans of the era. Right. <clears throat> now you have the same slogans, you do you, yeah. for example, right. and uh, live your truth. Okay. Mm-hmm. These are a little more sophisticated ways of saying it, or they sound better to the ear than the than the groovy, far out folks of the 60s. But nevertheless, it's really the same idea. And uh, there's, there's a little bit more more sophistication to it now than there was when we did it because mm-hmm. when we were saying those things we were just saying kind of no to an ethic that we were raised with okay mm-hmm. we're not going to do it your way we're going to do it our way mm-hmm. but it wasn't it wasn't it was more ethical it wasn't metaphysical so to speak yeah um, right. now it's metaphysical now it's more about w- identity okay mm-hmm. we didn't talk about identity back then mm-hmm. uh, now it's all identity now it is not any more deep or sophisticated than what we did then it just it it just uh defended on a more sophisticated level okay mm-hmm. and so it makes it more difficult to deal with it and right. if the church responds to that by giving into it and you're right a lot of churches have done that mm-hmm. then they are that they are abandoning the only foundation that can correct the problem or that can give people some solid place to stand to face the issues of their life and ultimately to face God. Mm -hmm. Because the problem right now is not with all the issues in culture. The the big problem, and this has always been the case, Andy, is between human beings and God. Right. And that's what's got to get straightened out first before the rest can get squared away. The rest is a symptom. This is the cause. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's interesting because I mean, I've had some friends even recently who have, who have like left the faith, you know, and said deconstructed uh, or deconstructed. Yeah. They deconstructed, but they say that they're deconstructing in this very logical, reasonable way. But what is happening is that they're actually just taking emotional wounds that they've, that they've gotten from the church because the church is filled with people who are messed up to, and they get hurt by the church. And then they start to think that they're going to deconstruct using logic when they're actually just using, using emotionalism to deconstruct. Then they walk away because they can't seem to, you know, quote unquote, uh, you know, they can't reconcile the science with Christianity, with the Bible, stuff like that. They can't reconcile the stuff. That's what mm-hmm. they say. But I'm like, no, that's just a cover. That's, this is some, there's an emotional wound that you're now operating right. on. So, yeah, well, it's interesting. There are, there are challenges that they offer that need to be taken seriously. I agree with that. So Absolutely. there is a rational element. But I, I do think, and the issue of the science in the Bible, that is minuscule. That's not, that's not a real problem. It's actually a faux problem, like mm-hmm. F-A-U-S. 
UX. It's a mm-hmm. phony. Mm-hmm. Now, people are taken in by it and need to be addressed, and I do yeah. address it in street smarts, mm-hmm. but it turns out to be largely inconsequential. Mm-hmm. The, the issue that's the big issue is the one you've hinted at. It's not the objective elements. It's the subjective elements. Mm-hmm. It's the you do you. <clears throat> the kind of yeah. thing. This is mm-hmm. th- this is just, um, um, and we didn't call it this in the '60s, though it really amounted to the same thing. This is just narcissism on steroids. <laughs> yeah. It's all about self love, mm-hmm. and um, and and so you know, people just want to do things their own way. Mm-hmm. Of course, that goes all the way back to the garden, right? right. That's from right. the very beginning, human autonomy. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. but it's got so much more force now, and mm-hmm. it's so much, so many more. Of the doorkeepers of culture mm-hmm. are are beating that drum, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the '60s, you had a counterculture. Mm-hmm. So the counterculture was basically the, I guess you um, you would call it. Now we call it the left. It's the appropriate thing to call that. I don't think we used that language back then. We just called it the counterculture. We were the guys that wanted to change things. We were the progressives. Okay, yeah, yeah, right. but it was the counterculture because the count. The culture at writ large here um, was largely conservative, and mm-hmm. they they understood the Christian worldview, and that's the view that had hegemony then and for the last couple hundred years, and that was all being challenged, right? Mm-hmm. And you have Eastern religions coming in, transcendental meditation. Right. You got the Beatles and all the the <laughs> wave of right. new players from England yeah. and music and uh, Janis Joplin and drugs and mm-hmm. Jimi Hendrix and Woodstock mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Tremendous upheaval and. Yeah. Actually, be eighteen nineteen during that time. I was, let's see, Woodstock was seventy, was uh, sixty nine. So I was nineteen years old. Wow. I mean, that was like, wow, this is all so cool, and it felt so liberating, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it was a, but but it really just amounted to the same kind of thing. Like we're going to do our own thing. Don't mm-hmm. tell us what to do. Now, remember that was the counterculture. Now it's the culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the culture. Christianity mm-hmm. is counterculture. If you want to be a, a revolutionary, <laughs> don't be a Marxist. Right. That's like boring, right? Yeah. Um, plus, it's false. All right. That's another yeah, right. <laughs> mark yeah. against it. But if you want yeah. to be a revolutionist, I mean, mm-hmm. a revolutionary, be a be a Christian. That's mm-hmm. counterculture now. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that's that dynamic has shifted tremendously, and mm-hmm. it's the left now. They used to say speaking truth to power, right? Mm-hmm. That was their favorite thing. Even 10 years ago, they were saying that. Mm-hmm. But the left is the power now, and they yeah. don't speak truth. They right. don't care well, about truth. This is interesting because the there's this book that was written, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago by Abigail Schreier called Irreversible Damage. Uh, I don't know. Have you heard of that book? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't 10 years ago. It was recently, fairly recently. I just Within, didn't think it's about two or three years ago. Yeah, maybe it's yeah, two Schreier's a great writer, and yeah. that, that book is phenomenal because it addresses this big issue right now. Right. Trans- and so she's dysphoria. Talk, yeah. She was talking about the transgender fa- uh, the craze in America mm-hmm. and in, in Europe and talking about how like, I, I think at some point she kind of mentioned either this was in a podcast or in the book. I can't remember, but that every kind of teenager, you know, goes through this, this period where they, their desire is to push back against their parents, to rebel sure. against their parents. And so, you know, you back in the fifties and sixties, they're going to smoke a cigarette, they're going to go drink. And, mm-hmm. and so what you have is parents nowadays who are, you know, they're providing cigarettes, they're, they're providing alcohol, they're provide. they're, they're not saying no. So the kid continues to push the bounds to try to rebel yeah. more and more and more against what the societal norms are and the parents and the teachers and everybody in society saying, yeah, that's no problem. You can do that until they go as far as to say, I'm going to change my gender. And, mm-hmm. and while the, the, 
proper response from a parent and a, you know, a teacher, whoever would say, I love you too much to allow you to do this. No, you can't do this. Of course, mm-hmm. our society, because it is the culture, not the counterculture anymore, is just saying, yeah, go ahead and do it. This is good for you. You're, you're expressing your true self and this is what life is all about. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it. That's like, that's the thing that I've been wondering though is, okay, so it went from counterculture to now it is the culture, but of course that rebellious phase in young people that, that stays, but what, so, so does that mean that we have this really great opportunity as Christians to kind of cultivate that rebellion into kind of bait and switch it into Christian, into yeah, a Christian Yeah, that's faith? interesting. Um, it, there's a certain sense in which this has been done, um, in the past, the great missionary movements have been fueled by young people. Yeah. And so what you have kind of foundational is this idea. When you're young, you're idealistic. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot mm-hmm. depends on which ideals you adapt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there is this this interest in bucking the conventional, what you were raised with. Um, mm-hmm. And there's there's good and bad with that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because the you know the people who are bucking the trend think they know more and the fact is they don't know much mm-hmm. um it was mark twain i think who said famously when i was 18 i didn't think my parents knew anything and then they were really stupid but when i was 20 22 i was amazed at how much they'd learned in four years you know kind of <laughs> that's thing funny, yeah, that's so funny. so so we we on the one hand this youthful vigor and this I can conquer the world mm-hmm. is, a, is a great thing to harness in young people. But if they have the wrong values and the wrong ideas, it just takes the world south. Yeah. And they're not they, – they no longer are, are um, bolted mm-hmm. to the, the wisdom of the past. Yeah, they're right. throwing that all out and that's mm-hmm. not a good idea. Right. So um, I was just trading on this concept. If people want to be revolutionaries – and in fact, this was part of the language of the Jesus movement. Mm-hmm. You want to be a real revolutionary. Jesus was the revolutionary. Yeah, right. But what they were focusing in on was the was the the, the radical – radically um, – Counterculture way that Jesus um, communicated, uh, or the the things that he communicated in the context of his culture, because mm-hmm. you had this establishment with Jesus, the Jewish hierarchy, that mm-hmm. were just getting it all wrong, and so Jesus mm-hmm. came in as an iconoclast to kind of break those, break up that uh, that hard ground, so to speak, and and show this is what. God had in mind all along. And you guys have just went from one extreme, mm-hmm. Old Testament paganism mm-hmm. that they kept falling off. I was reading in Jeremiah today. Mm-hmm. Holy cow, I'm reading <laughs> through that book. Those guys were bad, you know? Yeah, right. And then they went the whole other way. Then they got so legalistic, <clears throat> then they weren't, they didn't recognize the Messiah when he came. Right. So they're back and forth. So Jesus is trying to set them right, you know? Yeah. So in that sense, Jesus is countercultural mm-hmm. and he's even countercultural today. Mm-hmm. The Christianity has always been countercultural. Cultural. Mm-hmm. The sexual ethic, <clears throat> pardon mm-hmm. me, today is 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 much like, in a certain sense, the sexual ethic of the first century. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of options are wide open. They didn't mm-hmm. have gender dysphoria stuff and all that. They didn't have LGBTQ right. plus whatever WXYZ, you know, yeah. going on right. as a social movement. But they certainly had um, a lot of sexual permi- permissiveness. Mm-hmm. All right. So what happened? Christian, you, had, you didn't have abortion so much because you didn't have the medical technology, but right. you had mm-hmm. children that were born and then left to die. You mm-hmm. know, they exposed their children. Yeah, and right. Then you had these radical Christians that said, mm-hmm. no. One man, one woman becoming one flesh for one lifetime. That's mm-hmm. Jesus' formula for m- sex, marriage, and the mm-hmm. whole thing. Mm-hmm. That's it. Not what you guys are doing. And mm-hmm. and babies are valuable. We'll take those babies. Mm-hmm. And so what were they doing? They were living counter 
cultural mm-hmm. to that culture. Now they paid a price for that. Yeah, totally. You know, What's, and uh, that's been true ever since. And mm-hmm. now Christians are paying a price for the same thing. But if people are enamored with revolution and being different, mm-hmm. then going God's way yeah. is the revolutionary way. That's totally. the different way. Totally. What's your response to these churches, though, that are saying you can, I mean, we talked about it a little bit in the beginning, but that you can integrate the, let's just say, one of the popular ones of the last 20 years in, in the mainstream evangelicalism, I think, is uh, is that you can, that, okay, the Bible is obviously God's word, but some of the things like the sexual ethics or gender roles in scripture are were written for a particular time period because that culture had male, female gender roles. And now that we live in a culture uh, where, where we're egalitarian, we have no male, female gender roles that, that we can kind of not listen to that anymore. Of course, I know where that logically concludes in in you being a buffet Christian, a buffet Christian, where you can just pick and choose what you want. But right. what's your what do you say to somebody who's doing that? Because I mean, I've seen this in like tons and tons of friends and churches around that yeah. it's like they just kind of pick and choose what they want. Okay, so um, this is where I am going to follow my tactical game plan. And okay. this is what I've written about in Tactics yeah. and in Street Smarts. And it's actually very simple Yeah, um, that there's three phases to the game plan. And the first two phases are – let me back up for a moment. The mm-hmm. game plan is based on asking questions. Yeah, right, right. Because questions have tremendous um, – uh, advantages to preaching. You know, yeah, right. if you ask questions, it's dialogical. You're back and mm-hmm. forth. If you're asking questions, you're not making statements mm-hmm. that you have to defend. Mm-hmm. If you're asking questions, then the other person has to do most of the response. Mm-hmm. If you're asking questions, you're in the driver's seat of the conversation, mm-hmm. kind of like you are now, yeah. you know, Andy. Right. Yeah, but I'm doing <clears throat> most of the talking, <clears throat> pardon me, but you, the, the conversation is going the direction that you lead it with the questions sure. that you're asking. Right. Okay. So when um, the, the, the first couple questions are just gathering different types of information, like, what do you mean by that? That's the mm-hmm. first, I'm, I'm, that's my first question, mm-hmm. some variation of that. Mm-hmm. And if somebody's advancing an alternate view, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask them for clarification on the view. And then I'm going to ask them for uh, clarification on the reasons mm-hmm. for their view. So mm-hmm. if somebody's saying, "Well, the Bible, this is, these are the Bible's God's word," okay, mm-hmm. but and they follow up with what all these qualifications. So when I, so I'm, I'm curious then when you say the Bible's God's word, I'm mm-hmm. just this is a rhetorical question to you, yeah. Andy. But I would ask the other person, "You mean what?" Mm-hmm. Okay, if God is speaking, <clears throat> this is God telling you the truth about the matter. Does God lie? No. Mm-hmm. So when He tells you something straightforward unambiguously, is that the truth or a lie? Hmm. Well, that's the truth. Does the truth change as time changes? Well, maybe in some things, depending on the circumstances, but characteristically, when God tells us the truth about the way the world is structured, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. All right. So let's see. Um, Let me see if I follow. What I'm doing now is just rhetorically going through a conversation in my mind and back and forth with you with that person Mm -hmm. who raises this issue. So, yeah, okay. So God's word is that's God's truth. And so when Mm -hmm. God says it, it's actually true. Mm -hmm. Probably not going to change. So when he says, Jesus says, when he's talking about marriage and remarriage, Matthew 19, he says, have you not read? Now, this is, you know, like, what, 30, 30. AD, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> He's speaking to Jews. Have you not read that from the beginning, 
he made them male and female. Now, who is he quoting when he says that, by the way, Andy? Well, he's quoting God. I mean, right. Or, yeah, he's, he's, well, he's quoting Moses, Moses in, in Genesis, yeah, right? Genesis, right. <laughs> uh, Moses, how, how long before Jesus was Moses? Do you know? Um, 4,000 years? 2,000 years. 2,000, okay. 2,000 yeah, right. years, okay, yeah. roughly. Okay. okay, but anyway, uh, it's a long time. Yeah. So wait a minute. This truth, has culture mm -hmm. changed much in 2,000 years? Yeah, right. well, not as much as it does now, but that was still 2,000 years. And here's right. Jesus right. now speaking. Mm -hmm. And what's he doing? He's quoting something 2,000 years ago. Mm. So is it, do, do, to, in Jesus' mind, did the truth about binary mm -hmm. sexuality change? Right. Right. No. <laughs> Right. By the way, you don't need to read Jesus to know, you know, the truth about binary sexuality hasn't changed. Yeah. I had right. a, now this is a, a little bit coarse, but I, to share this, but it's a, it's a good point. I'm riding with a pastor in the front seat of his car, going to the church where I'm preaching for him at his, for an event. And his daughter's in the back seat. She's 14. We're talking about uh, gender confusion. And she says, I just tell them to check their pants. <laughs> So it, there's there's a little crude, like I said, yeah. but there is yeah, a common no. sensibility to this. Exactly. This is not hard, right? right? Okay. So when Jesus, so again, we're, we're responding to these people that want to say that well, things change over time, blah blah. blah. Really? Well, this doesn't. Check right. your pants. Right. I mean, this is the way it's always been from the beginning. Right. Then when he says then marriage, he goes to chapter two. Mm -hmm. This is Matthew 19. He goes to chapter two of Genesis. So he's still at the beginning. Mm -hmm. A man shall leave his mother, father and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and what God has joined together, let no man separate. Notice the rationale. Mm -hmm. He didn't say what our culture is doing right now mm -hmm. is good for our culture right now. It might change in the future. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He says what God has joined together, mm -hmm. let no man separate. And incidentally, <clears throat> just for some of your more naive <laughs> listeners, <laughs> the one flesh thing there is sex. Right. Right, right. It goes beyond it. But notice how Jesus is is identifying sexual activity mm -hmm. is for marriage, a committed long-term relationship of marriage, period. Mm -hmm. End of issue. Full mm -hmm. stop. All right. Mm -hmm. So in one line, basically, he is he is dealing with the issue of adultery, fornication, homosexuality, and bestiality. Those are the four things yeah, right. in scripture prohibited sexually. Mm. Notice that none of them are anything that a husband and wife would do together in a committed relationship. Right. right. That's where there's safety for sex yeah. and, and variety. But outside of that, no, hands yeah. down. So then my question would be, as we try to talk through this, does it look to you like as far as Jesus is concerned, these areas of sexuality and gender and marriage are flexible kinds of things? What do you think? That's what I'm going to ask him. What do you think? Mm. Now, if he says... Yeah, they are flexible. I'm going to ask him how flexible and why does he think that? Yeah, right, right. But he's going to have to go back to the text to verify that if this is a per person, and you already stipulated this, <clears throat> that is a Christian that affirms that the Bible is the word of God in some mm -hmm. meaningful sense. Okay, great. If that's what we're working with, then let's go back to the text. And yeah. it just mm -hmm. turns out these items are not flexible like people think they are. Yeah, right. They're, right. they're just not. The mm -hmm. texts are really, really clear. Mm -hmm. All of them. In fact, I have, uh, I got so frustrated, you know, in my own show, answering questions that with Christians that they should, should know better about. No, yeah. I don't get bugged at them, but I just point out, look, this is not a difficult issue that I, I wrote inside my Bible. I put a yellow post-it inside my Bible and it said, faithfulness is not theologically difficult. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And when you think of a whole host of areas, gender, sex, marriage, abortion, mm-hmm. uh, Jesus being the only way, those are the five issues right there the, the, that are big. This, there's, it's not like there's all this ambiguity and flexibility in the text. Right, right. There's no ambiguity and no flexibility in the text. It almost so, seems like a reading comprehension problem. And <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, not, not to be mean, but it's like, it's like I get that. I get that people, you know, there's a lot of obviously the flesh and emotional reaction mm-hmm. to reading stuff that are so, that's so counter to what we believe as sinners, but that doesn't, you, yeah, right. Changing the text doesn't yeah. actually change the yeah. truth. Andy, I think that what's going on here is, is a couple of things. You mentioned the flesh and that's part of it, you know, and uh, uh, Jesus says the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So this mm-hmm. is John three, right under yeah, that right. famous verse there, John three sixteen. But so you've got and even as Christians, you know, we've got the flesh that's hounding us and harassing us, and we have to always keep it at bay. And so there's part of that that's pulling us, trying to find ways to justify behavior that we have in light of scripture against it. So we fudge a little bit. We see right. that, well, we're looking for loopholes, right? right. And so then, um, uh, then you have a culture that's pushing back really, really hard too. Mm. And so if you want to please your buddies, you know, you're going to kind of go with that flow. Mm -hmm. And so if you have critics then that are challenging the reliability of the text, Mm -hmm. the authority of the text, the historical uh, legitimacy of the text, Mm -hmm. whatever, and you get lots of this in these kind of really one-dimensional, shallow TikTok kind of challenges (laughs) to scripture, then that takes in a lot of Christians too. And so uh, this is where they start to question the yeah. legitimacy. And we want to just bring them right back and say, wait a minute. Okay. If you don't want to be a Christian and you want to do all that other stuff, that's your choice. All yeah. right. But don't make it sound like Jesus and God and the prophets and the apostles are all on your side on this mm-hmm. because they're mm-hmm. not. Right. Okay. Right. So choose this day whom you will serve. That's yeah. the kind of thing we're facing here. Well, I liked, I want to go back because you, you mentioned that that first question that you, that you ask is what do you mean? And that, mm-hmm. and that's, I know people will be like, well, duh. Yeah. That's the question. But it's like, no, not actually, because uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting. So I'm married and we've been married for almost two years and mm-hmm. We did listen to a decent amount of Jordan Peterson uh, mm-hmm. to kind of, I don't know, he talks about marriage and communication. Yeah. And one about of the things- About being a grown-up. Huh? What did you say? About being a grown-up. Yeah, about being That's a grown-up. he talks about. Right. And so one of the things that he talks about, especially with communication and communication within marriage, is that- uh, like specificity is an ally and right. it's actually not a manipulation tactic that uh, right. people will say, I oftentimes I've been in situations where I'll try to figure out, okay, what do you actually mean by what you're saying? What, what, mm-hmm. what is the definition of that word or what are you using that, how are you using it in that context? And they'll say, well, you're just, you're just using semantics to manipulate me. And actually it's the opposite when you mm-hmm. don't use uh, semantics or when you don't specify what you mean by something, oftentimes you just talk past each other and you can't right. actually communicate. And, mm-hmm. and if you leave everything so ambiguous, you can't communicate. Sure. And so it, that's an interesting – I like that that was the first point. Yeah. yeah, Andy, let me just jump in and make a, a, a point here because it's a great opportunity for this. Yeah. When somebody says you're just using semantics to manipulate me, that's where I'm actually going to ask for clarity. <laughs> I'm going to say, so in exactly how am I using semantics mm-hmm. to manipulate? Now, they're going to have to give me an example. They're going to have to give me um, – let's just say um, – okay, you know what euthanasia is, right? Yes, yes. Okay, okay. that word – 
that's you you that's that's a that's a, a nice sounding word for killing old people mm-hmm. <laughs> that's it mm-hmm. all right that's mm-hmm. uh, but notice that u e u is a prefix that means good thanatos death good death mm. Hmm. That's a manipulation of language. Right. So if somebody – I said, you're manipulating language by so calling it good death. It's like the Nazis' final solution. Huh. What's the final solution? Kill every Jew on the continent. Huh. That's the solution. Interesting. Well, so in other words, final solution is a euphemism. It's huh. a nice way of saying genocide. Yeah. So if somebody's saying, I'm manipulating with rhetoric or, or, or something like that, which yeah. is certainly possible. Yeah. Both sides use rhetoric, and sometimes you can use it forcefully to make a point mm-hmm. better. Other times you use it to cloud the issue. Mm-hmm. And if some people think I'm using it to cloud the issue, excuse me, obfuscate or something like that, okay, I don't want to do that. Tell me what I'm doing. How mm-hmm. have I just twisted this? Mm-hmm. Okay. So an example in the book, somebody says, uh, I think this is in the tactics book. Somebody says, you're forcing, you, you, you are forcing your view on me. Yeah. Right, okay. Right. Really? Um, how exactly am I forcing my view on you? Mm. How am I forcing that? Now, this very interesting example because it plays out differently in two separate kinds of circumstances. 10, 15 years ago, that's what people would say when Christians said, Jesus is the only way of salvation. Right. You're forcing your view on me. How am I forcing my view on you? Notice the clarification question. What do you mean by that? How am I forcing my view on, on you? Well, well, you think that I ought to believe in Jesus. Yeah. And what am I forcing? Hmm. See, the thing is, we're not forcing anything. Right. We're identifying a truth right. that applies to them, mm-hmm. but they call it forcing. Right. That's a manipulation. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm going to ask, how exactly am I forcing it? Mm-hmm. Well, you think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's a proclamation. But you can believe anything yeah. you want. Right. I'm not forcing yeah. you to do anything. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Okay, that's the first half. All right. That's 10, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. But how about this? Misgendering people. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Now the left is saying um, a person's gender is whatever they believe. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that's their view. I disagree. And you must act as if that were true Mm -hmm. by using the gender they prefer, or we're Mm going to punish you. Mm-hmm. Now that is forcing a view on us, right? Because they are requiring that we act in a way that's inconsistent with our views, or else suffer the consequences. Mm-hmm. See mm-hmm. how interesting it is. Yeah. So in one case, it's just rhetoric mm-hmm. that was in the past, and now the same thing actually is being done, but by the left mm-hmm. to conservatives, especially Christians, when it comes to the gender issue. Yeah. And what what, what we're doing now is just walking through these things to help people see more clearly what is going on yeah. so they're not taken in by it. Right. And I think that it's important for people to actually start to recognize this stuff because it can, because that shift happened it fairly quickly from from the don't force your views on me to now we're going to force our views on you. We're going to actually and, force our views on you. Exactly right. right. And it's so interesting because I, I found that a lot of the progressives will say that Christianity is this incredibly legalistic, dogmatic religious system. And, and I'm like, okay, I don't see the Christians being the ones that are creating legalistic laws and dogmatic ideologies surrounding things like gender. And sure. you know, we're not, we're not saying you got to be a Christian or you can't have a job or you got to be a Christian or, you know, sure. we're not doing that. They're, yeah. They've created their legalistic uh, you know, laws yeah. and taboos. And now we have to play by those rules for some odd reason. And so Andy, uh, just an observation here. I'm mean, a little tutoring. Okay. Yeah. This is the spot. Okay. Right. 
where you need to ask the question. You Christianity is so legalistic. What do you mean? Right. In what way is it legalistic? You let them explain exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, we can do this. We can do. We can't do this. We can't do that. We can't do the other thing. Oh, are you saying there there are rules? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are rules. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but let me ask you a question. Do leftists have rules? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. That they want me to abide by. Mm-hmm. So what's the difference between the legalism, so-called, of Christianity and right. the legalism of leftism? Right. Notice all my points were questions. Mm-hmm. And every time I'm tossing it back into their court. Mm-hmm. And then they're stuck. What's the difference between the two? It's the exact same point you made, Andy. It's just the right point. Mm-hmm. But being it's the it's having the insight of the point you made, but then prosecuting the conversation mm-hmm. by using questions. That's street smarts. Mm-hmm. That's what I teach people to do in the book. Well, and it seems like that you do a good job also of I know that sometimes I bet you some people listening to this is like, okay, he's asking questions, but you know, you're asking questions that are moving in a particular direction. You know where you're trying to go with it. And um and to me, I'm like, okay, well, it seems like you're also with this integrating the grace of allowing for that person to come to certain conclusions on their own without being incredibly, uh, I guess I'm I'm not with, trying to use the without rhetoric being of 25 years ago. But yeah, you're not being pushy. You're not being that's jerk right. about it. And that's, so right. that's like an art though, right? Because you talked yes. about being gracious in this. Yeah, it's it's easier to be gracious when you're relaxed. Mm-hmm. It's easier to be relaxed when you have a game plan mm-hmm. and you know how to use it mm-hmm. and you have some insight into the problems. Mm-hmm. So you 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 just offered an insight. You know, what about leftism? They, you, you guys are you got all your legalistic things mm-hmm. too. That's the insight, okay? Mm-hmm. And all I offered was a tactically shrewd way of employing the insight in a conversation. Mm-hmm. Because the way it comes across first, the way you said it, would be accusatory. Okay, you have the same problem you're saying we have. Now, it's a totally legitimate point, okay? However, if you use the street smarts approach Mm -hmm. and use the question, now you're more relaxed. You don't make an accusation. Mm -hmm. You get clarification on what they mean. So there's not only there's no confusion about what they mean, but when they give the clarification, Mm -hmm. now you have more to work with to show them more specifically that Mm -hmm. they're guilty of the same thing. Mm -hmm. And then you ask them about their rules. Yeah. And of course, we know the rules. We know there's lots and lots of rules. Okay. And incidentally, (laughs) I got to chuckle about this because the, 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 I don't think Christianity is legalistic. That's a misunderstanding of of Christianity. But what they probably mean is that there are all these rules. Okay. There are rules. Mm -hmm. Okay. But these are rules that lead to life Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they are consistent with eternal life. Mm -hmm. Okay. Their rules, they got the rules too, and they don't lead anywhere. Mm -hmm. Meaningful, except for narcissism. You get to do whatever you want and everybody else has got to agree. Mm -hmm. Let me back up and put it this way. I get to do whatever I want and you have to applaud while I do it. Yeah. Right. That's their view. All right. Right. And so the rule for me is I got to applaud. Yeah. Yay, you're so great. This is <laughs> yeah. super. Until till they change their mind and they adopt some other view and then we got to applaud for that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think about how many times the the, the correct words are changed that you can use. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, when I was, you know, when I was, uh, I, was uh, eight, I was a senior in high school and Martin Luther King was murdered. All oh, right. Wow. So then blacks are called coloreds. 
But that was bothered. People bothered by the word colored, you know, what color? You know, that, okay, what are we going to call black? You know, then that's where the Black Panthers and the Black Power yeah. movement and all of that came into thing. But then then I got changed into something else, you know, and mm. then something else. And that's African-American, even if you weren't from Africa. Yeah. Like, uh, who's the golfer? What's his name? Tiger you know, Woods, you're talking about? The, uh, yeah, yeah, Tiger Woods. You know, he's called an African-American. They said that wasn't even his heritage. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. he, he had black skin, yeah. but still. So it's like all... You're dancing all at, look at L G P Q R S T U E W X Y Z. You can keep adding all yes. these things. Why? Because they're always changing. Mm-hmm. They're always changing. This is the truth. This is the right way to do it for today. Mm-hmm. Now, tomorrow, we're going to add something else. Now, tomorrow, we're going to do this. And, then mm-hmm. we're mm-hmm. and so, all of these, you know, um, these are all the ways that they're forcing us to hop to their tune is what right. it amounts to. Right. And now right. it's all words, words, words. You got to say the right words. You know, mm-hmm. you can't have Aunt mm-hmm. Jemima on a pancake mix mm-hmm. anymore. Right. And if you don't say the right words, they say, you know, uh, certain words are violence. You know, there's that yeah, that, well, that if you say the wrong right. thing, you're committing an act of violence, which is obviously yeah. not true. But that's how you move from. Uh, you know, trying to implement an idea into culture to then trying to enforce that idea. Sure, through sure. And that, that's part of critical legality. race theory. What, what mm-hmm. you just described, it's called uh, oppression by uh, ideology. Yeah. Uh, right. This is a characteristic of critical race theory. And it's yeah. gone through, they have different acronyms for it now, but it's basically the same thing in play. Mm-hmm. And it used to be, if you had an opposing idea, mm-hmm. you were just wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, yeah. you know, yeah. we don't like your idea. We don't believe your idea. You're just wrong. Yeah. But now the opposing idea is an act of violence itself. Yeah. If you yep. believe that homosexuality is immoral, that's an act of violence. Yeah. Your belief is an act of violence against them, especially if it's expressed in language, then it's a hate crime. Mm-hmm. So these are all ways that they have co-opted the mechanism of communication to make it all work in their side. Mm-hmm. That's the manipulation that you that that's real manipulation of language. And I wonder, I, you know, this just kind of popped into my head because obvi- uh, we're recording this on October 9th. I think two days ago, we saw what happened in Israel right. and with Hamas, you know, attacking mm-hmm. uh, the Jew, the, the Jews in Israel. The the I guess what I'm wondering is, is this kind of a unique issue that we're seeing in the West, in Western societies that aren't necessarily dealing with, because uh, when I think about like, ideology turning into, uh, you know, oppressive action, I, I think of that, like that situation in Israel where, where there's the, the uh, Islamic, you know, radical or whatever Islamic ideology that then they believe something to their core and now they're, they're taking action on that belief system. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I talk to somebody who is a man who thinks that they're a woman and I say, no, I'm going to call you he, him, not she, her, mm-hmm. they'll make the the accusation that I am, that I'm creating an act of violence on them. Now, we're so removed and abstracted from the actual acts of violence that are being committed on the basis of ideology because we're in the West right now that I wonder if there's any sort of connection. You know know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, there's a distinction there and you're touching on it and that what we saw two days ago and uh, have seen in many other places Mm -hmm. is an ideology that leads to acts of violence. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what's going on there is you do have a religious distinction, Mm -hmm. but this, this particular thing happening is not 
principally religious it's it's political yeah okay there is a kinship there but there's a political thing going on here mm -hmm. and um, the political thing is simply that arab nations do not believe that israel has any right to exist mm -hmm. which is why many times they have tried to wipe them off the map yeah from the right. very first day that they came into existence in 1947 or 48 mm -hmm. they attacked them first day mm -hmm. and uh and then there's been two more wars since then that uh that in 1967 and 1973, I believe, uh, and Israel was able to prevail um, against a, a unbelievably large force that that attacked them. And so, mm -hmm. the political issue is: Does Israel have a right to exist at all? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, the the uh, Hamas side or, or the Iranian side. I mean, I, I use these as examples because right. they have been public about their about their sentiments. They think Jew Israel should be wiped from the map. Yeah, right. Uh, they just that's it. Uh, so they have no desire for peaceful coexistence. Mm -hmm. Now there may be some tie-in with their techniques that they use and their religious right. uh, convictions, but this isn't a religious battle. It's more of a mm -hmm. political one. But um, what we see here is an ideology, a point of view. Israel should not be allowed to survive. That then is is uh, is accelerated into behavior. And the behavior is the act of violence. Okay. Yes, right, right. The difference that we see now, let's say a college campus, mm. is that it is the point of view that is now considered an act of violence. Yeah. Okay. And and the 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 language, the ideas. If you believe that homosexuality is wrong, mm. that belief itself is an act of violence. Mm. And therefore, since you are already committing violence against me with your ideas, mm. okay, that's called ideology as oppression, mm -hmm. all right, then I get to react or respond with physical violence yeah. to you. Right. And this is Antifa. Okay. Yes, right. So Antifa, ironically, anti-fascist, right? They're fascistic <laughs> in their behavior. Yeah. They're fascistic in their their uh, their manners, mm -hmm. but they say they're ant they're Antifa. So this is mm -hmm. more smoke and mirrors with words. Yeah. What right. are you actually doing? And that and it took me a while to for the change to fall into the media on this one. But once it did, things made a lot more sense. If they understand our point of view as being oppressive which is what they do. Mm. Christianity and all kinds of things related to standard Christian conviction, that's oppressive. Then they can fight back as an act of self-defense, but the self-defense can be physically violent. Mm. And they think that's justified because it's now self-defense. And this way you see things on campus all the time. It's just very twisted thinking, but they've, yeah. but they have convinced themselves of the legitimacy mm -hmm. of this approach. Yeah, uh, there's a big difference between physical violence and differences of opinion, and this is what you're pointing out right now. Yeah, I, do you think? So I, I am not. I don't. <laughs> I have a statistic. I don't. I can't remember where it came from. So maybe I'm wrong, and people can fact check this. Uh, I, there was a statistic that I heard at some point that in the last 30 years, on average, men in America have lost one percent of testosterone. Uh, across the board every year. So over the past 30 years, we've lost like 30% of testosterone. Like You mean as an average? As an average, as an like average. Like we're being somehow, our bodies are responding to being feminized by the culture. Is that yeah. what? Yeah. In some, either, either there's a philosophical connection or maybe it's because we just eat bad food or I don't know. There's a lot of different theories. Yeah, I, and yeah. maybe that's not... I, I think that statistic is true, but I think we've we've lost a lot of testosterone on average over the over the years in culture that I think 
One of the things that you're got, talking about- transferred to the women. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, one of the things that you're talking about is that, right, we've we've transferred violence from being, you know, something that's literally violent, right? Go punch yeah, somebody in the face violence, to, right. to, to, verbal, to verbal violence now being equated with physical violence. Or equi- ideological. Ide- ideological. Because okay. you can say there's verbal violence when people are really nasty and harsh and screaming or whatever. Sure, but okay. This, what I'm talking about is not that necessarily. Yeah, I'm just talking- Talking about the idea. Yeah. You can have the most ironic person, even tempered, nice, easygoing, and everything. But if he holds the wrong view, then he is accused of violence mm-hmm. against the other mm-hmm. just because he has the wrong idea. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I, and I'm thinking this out as I'm saying it. So, people don't, don't, uh, kind of, kind of roll with me here and see, see where this goes. Do you think that because of, let's just say, the men being feminized over the past 30 years, that maybe 40, 50, 60 years ago, somebody would, you, you know, you would have, me and you would have had an ideological difference. We would have argued, I'm a Christian, maybe you're not a Christian, we're going to argue about that, but we're not going to take it to the level of, of, of physical violence. We're just going to be okay. You know, we disagree with each other. We're fine with that. Do you think that that, um, that because men have been more feminized, that they're higher emotions have caused them to do to join things like antifa and to be involved in that type of thing and i know yeah. i'm making a distinction yeah, it's, it's between- really hard to yeah. make that assessment um mm-hmm. i think it's a sociological observation that i think that men have been more feminized and i mm-hmm. i don't think it's it's hard to to verify, or you just watch films and everything you see, um, men are much more passive roles, and the women sure. are the ones that are in 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 the leadership roles, and they're the angry ones. They're yeah. angry, and they're like, mm-hmm. "I don't take any crap from you," kind yeah. of thing, you know. Yeah. And this is this all this attitude coming ar- across. It's standard now, and men take the back seat. Now, some people might think, "Well, that's we're we're even in the sco- the uh, the playing field here," yeah. but I, I think it's worse than that. Mm-hmm. There is a difference between females and men, mm-hmm. and uh, and women are nurturers and protectors, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Men are the fighters. They just have a different general role. doesn't mean it can't do the other kind yeah, of thing, but I'm right. talking in generalizations. And so there has been, I think, a shift in our culture and, and mm-hmm. men have become more feminized the i this is you i don't you may you probably don't know who alan alda is the actor do you no okay no. well see he's got an old guy now but 20 years ago he was very popular he was in mash for example the oh, tv show mash yeah. and uh some other things but he was he was the epitome of this new man hmm. this funny liberal hmm. somewhat softer feminized not you know, not the macho man, the Marlboro man kind of thing. And and obviously these things can be taken to extremes and, and be damaging. But so I, I think that he really did have a lot of influence on our culture. And, uh, and now, and, and so, so your question had to do, does this have any, any effect on the way people are making, um, you know, arguments against Christianity or something like that. And is it affecting their means of communication and about controversial issues? And I, I think they have in some measure uh, one way that to me is a very clear indicator. I don't, I don't want to too, be too broad with this generalization, but mm-hmm. um, about six or seven years ago, I was speaking, speaking at a university in um, Topeka, Kansas, Washburn University, and I gave a talk on the problem of evil. And then there was somebody came up to the mic, a gentleman probably in his late 40s, early 50s, uh, beard, longish hair, kind of hip looking glasses. And he identified himself as a philosophy professor at the university. 
Okay, well, great. I'm kind of interested to hear what his challenge is going to be, his pushback on the 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 talk I gave on the problem of evil. And I have a master's degree in philosophy, you know, and I kind of know how to navigate in that environment. Here's the first thing he said. I'm offended. Hmm. I'm offended. Hmm. That was the first thing he said. Yeah. Now, he had some more to say that were more principled to go to the issue of my argument itself. But his first thing is, I'm offended. Now, where does that come from? <clears throat> now, in my, in me growing up, no guy would say, I'm offended. You know, yeah. that's a sissy thing to say. That's right. the way it would have been viewed then. Yeah. Totally. You hurt my feelings. So go away mm -hmm. and don't talk like that anymore because I can't take that. You know, right. that would have been kind of considered sissified. Mm -hmm. Um mm -hmm. But, but now here is a grown man who's a philosophy professor hmm. who says, I'm offended. And, you know, I had to navigate carefully there because I have an old whole audience that, you know, is going to respond based on how I deal with this guy. And if I, I mean, I wanted to say, you know, some, something like, you know, I'm sorry, I thought I was talking to a grown up. You know, because all I did yeah. was give it all. I, it, yeah. I know what he was offended by. And it was just, it was. It was silly. Mm. It was inconsequential. <clears throat> Excuse me. Anyway, so that that's a new thing. And by the way, saying you're offended is is a a chief way that people nowadays respond to objections. That's mm -hmm. what the whole snowflake thing is yeah, about. Right. Oh, right. I'm offended. Oh, that bothers me. Mm. I don't like that. That hurts me. Okay. Sorry. Right. I don't know. What right. am I supposed to do? Yeah. How do you want if, me to if, proceed here? It's this is yeah, yeah. what I'm saying. If I was offended by your view, would you stop believing it? Would right. you stop talking about it? Right. Would you go right. away? Would you right. give me a hug and a kiss? Or well, I don't know. Yeah. It, it doesn't play at all. It right. Well, when you're offended by their view, you're a bigot. And yeah, that's, that's so, <laughs> you know, that's your problem, right? I yeah. mean, that's how it is, right? And notice the aggressiveness, by the way, yeah. the, the toxicity of yeah. that aggressiveness, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. and that is more characteristically associated with masculine behavior than feminine behavior, mm -hmm. you know? So um, I don't think there's anything toxic about masculinity. And right. Nancy Piercy wrote a wonderful book dealing with yeah. that. I don't know if, if you know who she is, but yeah. um, mm -hmm. she's done a lot of great writing over the years. Mm -hmm. And uh, she talked about the... Uh, uh, like it's laying the it's laying on the floor right here somewhere. I reviewed the book. In any any event, it's a great it's a it's mm -hmm. a great book. It's called uh, the uh, the the war the toxic war on masculinity. Is oh the yeah, title of her yeah, book, Nancy heard, Piercy, yeah. mm -hmm. P E A R C E Y. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't think masculinity is toxic, and this is what they are trying to make it out to be. Yeah, and then the, the then the so they want men to be less masculine, and they want women to be more masculine. Is what mm -hmm. amounts to not more feminine. Mm -hmm. More masculine. Of course, the you know? fight against masculinity is to make women more masculine, which was also kind of ironic because if mm -hmm. you wanted to fight against masculinity, you would try to just overturn it with femininity. Of course, there's a natural law to the male female dynamic. Yeah, it's opposite, yeah like a, 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 a counterbalance of yeah, sorts. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I know that we're running out of time. I want to ask you real quick because uh, obviously this is. We're talking about Christianity and mm -hmm. you're talking about ways of kind of doing evangelism and having conversations with non-believers and even with Christians who are, are confused, with, who are confused. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and struggling because of the confusion. I'm exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, what, where was this found all over the Bible? But do, do you have examples of these methods that you are talking about in your books 
that are in scripture that Jesus using these types of methods, asking questions. I mean, they're, they're everywhere, but do you want to get, you know, some? it's, I, I, I'd, I'd have to look at my footnotes of tactics. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I can't remember the exact number what the number that comes to mind is that Jesus asked 283 questions. Wow. In yeah. the Gospels, yeah. Now it's two hundred and some. Uh, maybe I'm wrong on the eighty-three, but it's a lot of questions. Yeah. And in fact, we're, the, famously too, you know, sh- is it right to pay a tax to Caesar? Uh, show me the coin whose face is on it. Mm-hmm. Render to Caesar mm-hmm. the things that are Caesar. So he asks the question, sets it up, then he answers it. And he's who, who, who? By what authority are you doing these things? I'll answer it if you answer this question. Was mm-hmm. the uh, baptism of John from God or from men? Mm-hmm. There you go. So there's lots of places Jesus asks questions. Mm-hmm. Okay, and um, and he's and he's using it tactically mm-hmm. and strategically. He's maneuvering, right? He's engaging in these kinds of conversations. Mm-hmm. So there, there is a. And I don't think I need to have Jesus as an example to justify the approach of using questions because they the the value of those things are is self evident. Mm-hmm. But it turns out Jesus also used that. Mm-hmm. It's also famously known four hundred years before Jesus, Socrates used mm-hmm. questions mm-hmm. to resolve issues and to and to draw people out and to figure things out. Mm. That's why this approach is called the Socratic method. Mm. And uh, and one other, if you want to go to a TV icon, which I don't know if you even remember because you're maybe not old enough, but uh, Lieutenant Colombo oh, uh, yeah. of, of TV fame. Yeah, he, he would say uh, w- one more question, right? Yeah, that's just not, one more yeah. thing kind <laughs> of thing. Yeah. So um, – uh, he he famously used questions to maneuver and to solve the crimes, the murder crimes. And this is why I call the game plan that I use the Columbo tactic. <laughs> so I've named nice. it after him. Nice. But this is a, a this is a um, a uh, an approach that is is w- well established over thousands of years that have been very effective in maneuvering. And all people have to do is to start. Doing it, mm-hmm. and I give the directives very clearly there mm-hmm. in both books, but the, the more recent one, Street Smarts, mm-hmm. that uh, on, on how the game plan works, it is not difficult. Mm-hmm. And once you once you kind of get the rhythm of it, it becomes second nature. And the the comment that I've gotten from most the comment I've gotten most often about the tactics book. Now, it's been out for 14 years. The Street Smart's been out for four weeks. Mm -hmm. So I don't have like Mm -hmm. the comment that most people who read the book (laughs) give me. But I do have for tactics is they say, this book changed my life. Mm. I hear that over and over. I heard it last weekend. Yeah, I hear it over and over and over again. And I'm not surprised. I'm flattered, obviously. I'm humbled by that. Mm -hmm. But I'm not surprised because the approach that I advocate there changed my life too in the way I engage people about the claims of Christ and the, the broader claims of Christianity about the nature of reality. And uh, and it changed my effectiveness, mm. I think. And it made it so much easier for me to engage in, in conversation with people mm-hmm. because of the tactical approach using questions. Yeah. So it has withstood the, standard, the test of time. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting. I feel like we could you know, talk for a long time about, you know, you know di- di- give different examples, different things that are happening in the sure. culture right now, but um, people should just buy the book and, and read it. And Street Smarts, uh, Greg, 
thanks for doing this this interview. I mean, this is very interesting, and uh, I do hope people go and buy the book. I think it'll be it'll be a good read. I agree with you. I hope they do, and I think it will be good reading, and it will help them out in uh, maneuvering uh, among the giants in the land. It'll help shrink those giants down to size. Absolutely. Thanks, Andy. Yeah, thanks so much. All right. If you like this podcast, make sure you like, subscribe, share this with your friends, give us a five-star rating, and leave a review. We'll see you guys in the next one. Goodbye.